When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Hey everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Double Count Out, Geekscape's first official wrestling podcast. Uh, the three of us have done multiple like WrestleMania prediction episodes in the past, but all three of us are always talking about wrestling in Slack and on Facebook anyway, so we decided, fuck it, let's do a show. Now, I, Matt Kelly, do horror movie night for the Geekscape Network, as well as the Playing With Squirrels Boy Meets World podcast, so my free time is, is fairly limited. Meanwhile, uh, Josh and Derek, you guys do Geekscape games, um, so we are going to be doing this show every other week in order to like make things a little bit easier for our schedule. I'm sure you're sitting there listening and saying, I subscribe to about a thousand different podcasts that are about wrestling. Why would I want to listen to Double Countout? Well, we're going to try to do something a little bit different. We're not going to be tackling interviews as much as other shows do. We're not going to be necessarily doing like Raw and SmackDown recaps, but more so just discussing the overall nature of wrestling and having different topic episodes, focusing on stuff from both the old and the new, talking about retro stuff. It's going to be kind of a more all-encompassing, if you went to a convention and bumped into wrestling fans and just started to geek the fuck out on wrestling. So, we've got Josh, who's coming to us live from Japan. He just went, he went and saw Wrestle Kingdom this past weekend, so he's probably going to be doing a lot of heavy lifting on this episode, because I haven't seen any of Wrestle Kingdom yet. I don't know about Derek, but we've got Royal Rumble coming up in a, in a couple weeks, so we're going to just kind of start spitballing but the most recent thing wrestle kingdom josh was there live like josh tell us what the hell happened to wrestle kingdom <laughs> the two big stories coming out of wrestle kingdom were the especially for international fans was probably the chris jericho kenny omega match and i know going into it a lot of people were i guess cautious of how jericho would be able to keep up the entire match being put together was a fairly recent development and not that Jericho is in any way, shape, or form a bad wrestler, but you know he's older now. He's he moves a little slower. I think some people were disappointed in his match with AJ Styles at WrestleMania a few years ago, and so the consensus going in seemed to be that people weren't didn't think he was going to be able to really keep up with Omega, which is part of the reason that they made it a no DQ match. I think like a week prior to the show, which is which is weird to me to say because like in my mind. I feel like the last run that Jericho did with Kevin Owens was probably the best Jericho we've seen in a long time. Character-wise, yeah, for sure. 
Um, I think a lot of it was just more because he's what is he now in his mid to late 40s? I think he's like 47 or something like that. Yeah, something unre something that would be unheard of about 20 years ago in wrestling. Yeah, for sure. So it's like that like going in people were worried that he wouldn't be able to keep up and expected a lot of like shenanigans with the no DQ stipulation, but you know, going once the match started and watching it, I think it was like a 33 34 minute match and he completely delivered it was an amazing match some of those hits like they really didn't hold back on anything like some of those knees that jericho was taking were completely brutal it was like you know you don't expect a veteran to be taking that much punishment but i, I love just just how much of it like a dick he seemed like too like when he uh I, it was it was interesting because it was kind of the first like like i've only seen that match so far i do plan to go back and watch the rest of wrestle kingdom as well but seeing like that was kind of my first real like okay i'm gonna sit down and watch new japan and it's really interesting seeing how different it feels from like the more Western wrestling and WWE and everything like that. Like it was interesting seeing like they use significantly fewer camera, excuse me, camera cuts and stuff like that, which is like, I think good and bad in a way. Like it gives you a more complete overall picture of what's going on. But I also think that WWE uses that to hide a lot of the like, like areas where you'd see someone actually not punching someone and everything like that. And I think that was a lot more visible here, but it, it was interesting just seeing just how much of a dick Jericho was being in this, in, in terms of putting red shoes or whatever his name is, son in like the walls of Jericho and just yelling at him, like, look at your son, <laughs> like, like stuff like that. And, like, <laughs> just, just being just ruthless with like the chair shots and stuff, the point where the chairs are like exploding and stuff like that. It just looked unreal. And it, and it was, was like another level than than I think you typically see with like a, the the PG rated content in in WWE and it was really really interesting. Yeah, and it was yeah. Speaking of, I kind of forgot about that, but that chair shot was like that's it's not something you really see these days. So that was kind of brutal. Like I know some people were mad at him the day before the show or the day of the show because he posted on Instagram that he was dedicating the match to Eddie and Ben. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And like as soon as he hit. As soon as he just like laid into that chair shot and hit Kenny in the head so hard, I like leaned over to Megan. I was like, "Oh, I guess that one is. I guess that one was for Benoit." That's <laughs> like that match was really, really great. And then the main event. Sorry, sorry to have to spoil it, but it's really impossible to talk about. Oh, it's all good. This match without talking about the result, but the main event: Kazuchika Okada versus Tetsuya Naito. Like Naito's probably my favorite wrestler in the world right now. Like between between him and Rusev, honestly. But one of the things that drew me to him was his journey to where he's at right now. So just for like the quick version for anyone who's not familiar. He was like the New Japan Roman Reigns, basically, right? Essentially, it was like the only difference is he was never necessarily positioned to be the top guy, but he was definitely positioned to be a top guy. And it was kind of a rejection of both him and Okada at the time because Okada was being positioned as the next top guy. And Naito was essentially, I guess... I guess you could say he was almost going to be like the Randy Orton to Okada Cena, like the number two guy or whatever. And four years ago, it was supposed to be the big show that was supposed to be, you know, ushering in the new era of them being on top. But people didn't really take to Okada yet and people really didn't like Naito. So they actually held it to a fan poll where they were like, you can either keep this main event or have uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, who was like the top the top guy before Okada versus uh, Shinsuke Nakamura as the main event for the Intercontinentalist title instead. And then they would put the world title on the undercard and they ended up voting to have um, Nakamura and Tanahashi main event. So after that, they sent 
after that match, they sent Naito away to Mexico and he got added to um, the Los Ingobernables stable, which if I remember correctly was founded by um, Andrade Cien Almas for his previous character in Mexico. So he basically came back and created his own version of that group and developed a new character where he doesn't like he's bitter because of that vote to the point where he just doesn't care about anything anymore. And he just kind of wrestles just for the sake of it. Cause I guess you could kind of say, cause that's his job. And I know when he won the title, when he eventually won the title, he threw the belt away and was like taking every opportunity he could to like trash it and break it. Cause he didn't care about the belt or the company. But of course, just like in America, when someone turns heel, they end up becoming the cool heel eventually. So <laughs> yeah. like fast forward to now, he's like the, Fast forward to now, it's like he's the most popular guy in the company. And so they recently turned him babyface again. And the whole story of the match was like his redemption arc from being rejected to four years later, everybody in the building's behind him. And he's finally getting his main event that was stolen from him four years ago, which was great until... That's pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, he had the match and everything. And it was great until like Okada actually won. And I was like completely heartbroken. Like I recorded the, <laughs> you can tell when like a finish is coming, right? Mm-hmm. So I started recording like the ending sequence, and I was like, I was like, oh, I wanna, I wanna have this pop on camera for when he <laughs> wins. And then like I'm like, all right, here it comes, here it comes. And then he got hit with the rainmaker, and then they start counting to three. And then when they hit three, the crowd just went completely silent. Like, oh god! And then I just shut off immediately. I was like, oh, this is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was I, like honestly, because I was there for the, I was there for the Undertaker Brock Lesnar match in New Orleans where the streak was broken. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was at least that initial response that was a very similar reaction. Like the crowd just went completely. They went from being loud to just being completely silent, and a few people on the floor like a, a small chunk of the people on the floor just left immediately as soon as he no way in. yeah but i guess the difference between okada and like i guess roman reigns or cena is that people still respect him and recognize how good of a wrestler he is so it's like for the most part he gave his post-match promo and people were still like cheering him and supporting him and everything mm-hmm. but you could definitely tell that people were a little deflated after a naito lost but i thought the match was amazing i think that um you mentioned something that i do want to want to bring up because i think that one of the interesting dynamics with the three of us on the show is that you've been a very long time wrestling fan and you're probably the most well-versed of the three of us as far as like indie promotions and new japan and stuff like that whereas i've been watching for i think it's been four years at this point and derek's been watching for about two so it's funny that you say that because I feel like Derek and I definitely have different perspectives of like John Cena and Roman Reigns as workers. I'm really coming around to Roman Reigns. I, I'm really starting to feel like, yeah, I don't like the story or the character, but I think that he's a better wrestler than we than most people are giving him credit for. And like I've only seen the good John Cena years. I've I know that there are some bad I'm still in the middle of a massive rewatching of everything, and I know that I'm gonna have like <laughs> a big chunk of bad years, but like his work rate for the last three or four years has been pretty damn good. Yeah, Especially and, around like the U.S. title open challenge era, John Cena was pretty flawless to me. 
I uh, I haven't heard any Roman Reigns booze in a while either. Actually, it's <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of the things that's so interesting, especially being a newer fan coming into it and just seeing like, you know, coming into it two years ago, everyone hated Roman Reigns and being like, oh, this guy's really good. like the first T-shirt that I bought was a Roman Reigns T-shirt. I enjoy him, but seeing just how like back and forth everyone can be on him specifically it seems like between cities or or like just between time frames or whatever but you know we're going from like like six months ago with the undertaker match at wrestlemania like literally nobody has been booed so hard ever in the like <laughs> in, in the entire history of wrestling i don't think no, uh no, to like God. after he wins the u.s title you know like last month or whatever and people are chanting like you deserve it like oh, it's just it's it's incredible just seeing was it the u.s title intercontinental i don't remember I see, it's intercontinental but yeah i think yeah, he's yeah. just he is a really really good second tier champion you know what i mean like he is a like i don't know if i like him as the intercontinental champion but he is a he is a perfect like u.s title champion to me like he looks the part the U.S. champion is either a foreign guy or a guy that looks like Roman Reigns. Like, that's the only people who ever should be holding that belt. Whereas, like, Miz, to me, is what a intercontinental... The Miz was in, like, his last run with it was just incredible. And it was something where, like, I did, like, like I was like, why do people like this Miz guy? And then seeing that and seeing seeing just his, like, just just the intensity of of his thing with Daniel Bryan, even though it couldn't really culminate anywhere, like all of that stuff and, and just his, uh, you know, the, the intercontinental world tour or whatever it was called. Like all of that was just pure gold. And, uh, well, I think Josh can chime in on this better than, than I can, but I feel like throughout the history of the IC belt, it's almost always most memorable under a really like good heel. You know what I mean? Like, Honky Tonk Man has the longest run still, and there was never a, f- a point where people were cheering Honky Tonk Man. Yeah, I mean that was like back in the Honky Kong Man. Uh, honky, what am I talking about? Honky Kong. Sorry, it's, <laughs> it's, it's Donkey Kong. Donkey Man. Kong Man. It's it's, uh, it's it's four a.m. in Japan. Sorry, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Honky Tonk Man. The thing about him and a lot of heels in that era were the Intercontinental Title was truly like a stepping stone to the world title picture but in a lot of cases it was only a stepping stone for baby faces so you would give the intercontinental title to a heel and people would eventually just be begging for someone to take the belt off of them and that's what happened with that's how the ultimate warrior ended up getting pushed into the main event scene because i think honky tonk man had that record and 454 days yeah, wow. and like a large majority of his defenses would either end in DQ. It wasn't like he was like a, you know, a strong champion or anything. Like he was getting out of matches everywhere he, he could. So finally, when he lost the belt, he lost the belt to the Ultimate Warrior, and he Ultimate Warrior beat him in like ten seconds or something. Yeah, it's one of the biggest pops you'll you'll ever see. My friend still talks about it to this day. Like being a kid, watching SummerSlam nineteen eighty eight. And being like, oh man, like Honky Tonk's opponent's not going to be able to compete. Like, man, I really want to see him lose his belt. And he was just like, anybody can come and take this belt from me. And all of a sudden, like Ultimate Warriors music hits, and the crowd's just like, yeah, like this is it. Like, <laughs> it's a great like thing to watch. And then Warrior held it for a long fucking time. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page now. Yeah, 
I think he held it up until after he uh, won the world title, right? Yeah, he held or it. Or was for, that a different run? He held it for two hundred and some days. Then Rick Rude had it, and then Ultimate Warrior had it for another two hundred some days. And then yeah, he vacated it when he beat Hulk Hogan for the WWF uh, Championship. So the second reign, he vacated it, and then it went to Mister Perfect, which is another heel. So it's like it's constantly hopping into the hands of a heel at this point and being held for a pretty long time by the heel. Right. And it just works. It's a great heel belt because it has such prestige. It's like you want to get it out of the hands of of like the bad guy. Yeah, and I think that's why the Miz is doing such a good job because you know, around the attitude, for as much as the attitude era gets praised, like the secondary titles all got essentially devalued and treated really poorly in that time. So, mm-hmm. and it's something that the Intercontinental title really hasn't completely recovered from even to this day. But whenever the Miz has it, it really does feel like an important belt. And that could just be me speaking as a giant Miz fan, or someone who's been a big Miz fan for years. No, now. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's that. Like he, when he has that belt, like he treats it like it is like a, a fucking crown and he does like like i said like before, prior to that last uh that last long reign that he had with it i was like did not care about the miz whatsoever i was like who you know he just fucking he's like annoying and he just rolls out of the ring at the beginning of every match and like he's just like but like he was good on the mic but i feel like at that time i don't know that i saw him getting a lot of that a lot of mic time and uh, aside from things like miz tv popping up here and there and everything like that um but but yeah, just seeing like how he treated his time with that belt was like I was very sad to see that time end. Basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas going into it, I didn't care about him as a character at all. But he's someone yeah. that I want to see actually beat Honky Tonk Man's record. Like he has in combined days, but like if there's ever someone who I'd want to <laughs> see hold that a belt for 450 plus days, it's the Miz with the IC belt. Like it give him something. And also, do you know how I'm, I'm looking on this Wikipedia page? Roman Reigns is the 162nd IC champion. Like that is a very large number. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I, and I feel like a hundred of those are probably within the last 15. Yeah. Years. <laughs> <laughs> that is not inaccurate. When you, when, you, when you're giving it to people for 24 hours, that number's going to go up pretty quickly. Yeah. Oh God, poor Zach. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of single days in here. Oh, that that Zack Ryder moment was so so sad seeing him lose it the next day. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Guarantee he had no clue. Uh, he still held it longer than Dean Douglas, right? Dean Douglas had it for like a match. I remember reading at the time that making the decision to have Zach win it was like a last second thing. I remember, I, I remember reading that as well. Yeah, was somebody he got because he ended up in it because someone was injured, weren't they? I think so. Yeah, yeah. 
I feel like Kevin Owen was was originally planned to win, and then the person who got hurt had nothing to do with Kevin Owens, but because of that, they had Zack Ryder win, I guess, just mm-hmm. for the shock, back, shock factor. It was, so WWE does this thing, and it's always been talked about, and, and like, once it's pointed out to you, it's impossible to not notice it. WWE loves to give the title to the replacement person who was added in when someone gets injured because it's like your expectation is like this person wasn't even supposed to be in this There's match, no so they they're definitely win. not yeah. going to win it. Yeah, yeah. Like, they do it all the fucking they time. They did that with Sasha Banks most recently, um, I think at SummerSlam, right? They do it all the time. It's infuriating. So real quick to bounce back to Wrestle Kingdom. So Josh... If you were trying to convince people to get into New Japan Wrestling, like, what are some of the matches, I'd say within, like, the last five years, that are really the, like, if you want to put your foot in the water, like, these are the ones to track down, these are the ones to watch, and if you're into it, then it's worth getting the, like, paying for the New Japan Wrestling World channel thing. (laughs) Well, honestly, just last year was such an amazing year. It might have been the best year that I've ever watched in terms of match quality. So just off of last year alone, I know there's the three Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada matches. There was Naito versus Omega at the G1 finals. Naito versus Tomohiro Ishii, who when I went to the Long Beach shows last year, I had never really seen a whole lot of Ishii, but he became one of my favorite guys real quick because he has this style where he's like this small, this kind of stout guy, but his gimmick is essentially that he doesn't feel or he's not hurt by strikes and he's has like a concrete head essentially. So it's like he, his matches are just so hard hitting and brutal. Um, AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura from two years ago was, was really good. If you wanted to kind of see where I think it, I think it's like, if you were going to say five years, I think it was maybe two or three years into the creation of the bullet club back when um, Prince Mm -hmm. Devitt, or Finn Balor was the leader of it. He was the founder of the group initially. And he had like a huge like coming out period during that time because he wasn't really a big deal until the Bullet Club came around. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And after he founded that, he was just having all kinds of uh, crazy matches and his personality was off the charts, which like to be honest is a little different from how he is now. Like when he's not the demon, he's kind of just there in wwe right now <laughs> so it's like it's cool to see how much personality he has are you trying to say he's not over <laughs> like, oh that because that inf- there's some people who agree with that <laughs> that, that infuriated me but that's like that's, that's a different topic but um he uh i know minoru suzuki versus aj styles i think that was two three years ago i want to say three or four years ago that match was fantastic and if any of you haven't heard of Minoru Suzuki, he, like, we were, I thought about him earlier when we were talking about how old Jericho is, but I think he's, like, in his mid-50s right now. Oh, wow. You can't tell in the slightest. Like, I didn't know about this until recently, but apparently he's considered, like, the person who introduced integrating MMA with pro wrestling. Mm. And he's essentially considered a living legend down here, but his character is essentially, like, a almost like a Yakuza mob boss. And he's just like completely terrifying. Like when he wrestles his personality, his look and everything, he looks like he's going to murder whoever he's wrestling. (laughs) And his match with AJ was really, really good. Funny story too. um, He had the most brutal match at Wrestle Kingdom this year where his opponent, like within the first five minutes of the match, he put his opponent in a sleeper hold, which is a setup for his finisher. 
it's funny in and one thing about new japan is a lot of the main wrestlers like the top wrestlers have set up moves that look like fit more like finishers than the actual finisher oh really yeah like okada is like a corks like a spinning tombstone to lead into his finisher which is essentially a clothesline okay but um suzuki put his opponent in a chokehold and he dragged him to the corner and he stood on the second rope and he essentially hung him and then after being hung up on that top rope for like 30 seconds, his opponent just went limp and they were acting like he choked him to death. And I was like, holy crap. Like I was so ter- I was like so blown away by that spot. I was like, he just killed someone in the match. And then of course he didn't pin him. He kept kicking him. I was like, just fucking pin him. What are you doing? But, but yeah, but that would probably be my top ones. Like any, those matches in particular, but really you can't go wrong with anything from uh, Naito, Okada, Omega, um, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, Minoru Suzuki, and uh, Prince Devitt. All right, I'll keep that uh, keep that in mind for sure. So, can can I ask you can I ask you a question, mm-hmm. Josh? Go for it. So, having <clears throat> having like been a fan of things like like AJ and Nakamura in New Japan, like how do you feel they are doing in WWE so far? Like, I feel like like AJ is a f- massive deal, and he's. I, I like I feel like I wasn't super into him kind of early on but now he's just like I, he's pretty unbelievable and he's like like puts on these insane matches but I feel like Nakamura I thought was super cool in NXT but I feel like he I don't know how well he's being utilized since he's come up like he just kind of seems to be inserted into these like kind of odd storylines or kind of just not being utilized at all at a lot of the time. and I- Which you're bringing that up and I, I was going to say that kind of segues into something that I wanted to bring up too okay. is that like the climate has never been better for us to get Nakamura versus AJ Styles as like the main event of WrestleMania as far as like the pieces being there to make it happen. But like there has been, unless they're trying to make us like not even think about Nakamura, so him winning the Rumble is, like, this huge, like, mm. big John Stud winning the Royal Rumble level of, like, oh, man, they've been <laughs> doing nothing with this guy, now he's getting this big push, but, like, yeah. but like outside of that, like, they've done nothing with him for months. They had that awesome stare down at Money in the Bank, and the crowd oh, went yeah. nuts, and then and there's been silence. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember reading, too, that I think AJ did an interview or something, but they improvised that spot. Because I, th- oh really? I think they said they were pitching the match to Vince, and Vince didn't necessarily think there was going to be a match that people wanted to see. So they improvised that spot in the match so they could show Vince the crowd reaction. That's uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, like it's just something where, like, like unless you were familiar with Nakamura's past or were a fan of him in NXT, I don't know why. I don't know what he's done specifically in main roster WWE that would make you a fan of him besides aside from the fact that like he's got one of the coolest intros. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing with him in WWE, it's like I can't even say that he's not pushed necessarily because he's been treated as a big deal since he came in. He got a t- he got put in the world title picture just a few months within his call up, which is really rare especially for like a foreign wrestler. So which shows that you know they have some kind of faith in him, but at the same time, he's not ever really put in any real storylines. And I think yeah. Vince might be wary of him not being able to speak perfect English, which was never because he rarely does promos on the main roster, and when he does, yeah. they're only a few words. Um, yeah, but at the same time, I think losing to Ginger twice in a row it, it, the exact same way really, really hurt him. And since then, and it's weird because. You know, Orton's been a top star for so long, but I feel like him and Orton are in a 
both in the kind of the same weird spot right now where after they both lost to Jinder, they weren't necessarily seen, less so for Orton because he's more established, but they, they're they not necessarily seen in the present time as immediate threats. And they've mm. kind of just been yeah. pushed into that Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Shane McMahon storyline is essentially Shane's lackeys that he's using to try to <laughs> beat Owens and Zayn, which makes it even harder to hear about Nakamura because, you know, depending on your perspective, like Owens and Zayn are kind of like, the whole storyline is that they're that Brian Daniel Bryan's afraid that Shane is becoming vindictive and like his father and all that stuff. So we're wasting so much time on SmackDown with Daniel Bryan versus like teasing a match that we possibly can't even have between Shane and Daniel that it's like almost infuriating because it is. But what if? But what if we can have it? I'm, what if I we mean, can have it? If we can have it, that will be cool. I mean, I'd rather see Daniel Bryan wrestle any other human being, but like. <laughs> But like I get why. If their worry if their worry is that you've got this concussed wrestler and we're afraid that he might hurt somebody and we get sued, then like you put him in the match with like a guy who you know will not sue you, which is like someone who owns part of the company. <laughs> and someone who gets concussed every match. Yeah. Someone <laughs> described someone described the feud. I think it's uh, one of the writers at Uprocks uh, said instead of focusing on AJ he goes AJ Styles, Kevin Owens and and uh, Sami Zayn have become secondary characters between a story of a guy who we love who can't wrestle even though he really want, even though we all really want him to and a guy who we don't love who won't stop wrestling even though we really <laughs> really want him to like, yeah it's it's crazy and I mean I think that does make it harder to care about Nakamura too because he's a baby face playing a lackey for someone who seems like he's in the middle of a heel turn it's just it's a lot of it's a lot of complicated but i also feel like the worst thing that ever happened to nakamura i think and i could be wrong but this is just from me looking at it when he broke samoa joe's jaw uh-huh. in nxt ever since then it feels like he's not been giving 100 percent in his matches and i'm not sure if it's like <clears throat> out of feet like because he is a strong style guy but yeah. not a lot of the other guys are so i mm-hmm. almost feel like he's being forced to not do strong style and it's not something he's used to doing because like i don't feel as like i ever since then i haven't felt nearly as like invested in his matches yeah. either like they're not as like all inspiring as and, they were and to be honest like as like from comparing his new japan work to this it I honestly feel like he's been more in, I don't necessarily want to say autopilot, but I want to say that he's been kind of taking it easy ever since his first match against Sami Zayn. Like that was the only one that he's had NXT or main roster that's come close to resembling his work in Japan. And it's like in Japan, like if he was in some throwaway match, he would usually kind of take it easy. But whenever he was in a, a singles match, like he always like came up big and then Japan's schedule is different from WWE because Japan they pretty much just wrestle maybe once or twice a month aside from maybe some small shows and the small shows it's usually like five-man tag matches where everybody's like kind of splitting the load and they're not having these long solo like singles matches so so it might be because of the workload but yeah like Nakamura that's one thing about him that people like assume that he would pick up his work rate at takeovers and then a lot of the takeovers were kind of like better than NXT TV, but not up to his 
typical standard, I guess. He was he was weirdly one of the him and Bobby Roode honestly disappointed me as NXT champions. They were very like ho hum champions in the long run, and I, I guess it's just because we had such a long string of like these great WWE champions from like or NXT champions from like Neville up until Kevin Owens and and Finn Balor but yeah. like they did not have the memorable runs that they deserved and I I actually feel like CN almost is going to be like the first one in a while to really like get me back into caring about that belt yeah and I hope that they keep it on him like I really hope that they don't take it off of him to give the rub to Johnny Gargano because I really like Johnny Johnny Wrestling being the guy who just can't pull it off at the last second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was going to mention that too. I would even go as far back as saying Balor's run was kind of boring. Like, I feel like halfway... It definitely got... It got too, like, okay, yeah, we expect this now. Like, it's just like, there was nothing that was new after a while. It was the same old title run for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason, though, ironically, is just because the undercard's so good. Because it got to the point where halfway through Balor's reign and through most of, like, Nakamura and Rude's, the storyline for the NXT world title is mostly just, oh, you know, this guy's the best, so-and-so wants to beat him. And then if and then if it's a heel and they lose, like when Samoa Joe kept getting those endless rematches against Finn Balor, he was getting progressively more aggressive. He was threatening Regal. He was attacking people, like innocent people, to get his shot. So they would add little wrinkles here and there, but for the most part, the core of the storyline is, oh, the champion's the best and the heel wants to beat him, and it's not that compelling, especially when you have side-by-side with it on the undercard, you had, oh, you know, Asuka and Bailey, Sasha, Bailey, like Asuka's long reign, her feud with Ember Moon, and then you had the tag division with um, the Revival and DIY, and then nowadays with, like, the Undisputed Era and Authors of Pain and Sanity all getting inserted into it it's like everything below the world titles for a while now has just been so much more interesting but i wanted to echo your point matt that the storyline between andrade cn almas and drew mcintyre for it only having like a two-month build that i thought was really well done and now i care more about the nxt title and what happens to it than i have in a very long time because of the storyline well, how they've handled war almas. games War Games was such like I feel like that was the first takeover in a while where I was like that was great, <laughs> like because like, there like takeover used to be like no gar- like there was not even a competition it was going to be the best pay per view of that mm-hmm. particular month, and then there was just a couple where it was like it was okay like it wasn't good it wasn't bad like I thought that Brooklyn three was like whatever. But but man, like there was there was so many good matches at War Games, and I had no expectation of it being that good. I would I would have liked to see more shark cages. <laughs> oh yes, all of the shark cages. Like I'm looking through some of the past takeovers. Like even Takeover Chicago, I remember feeling like if you didn't have that Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate match, like it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been a very memorable pay per view at all. Like it, it's a lot of. Just like it, it got into this stale area and it, it sucks because I think that this is it's kind of what makes NXT work at the same time is that NXT is by design going to have ebbs and flows. It's going to like you watch those first couple NXTs on the network and it's like it's rocky, but it's building to something. And then like once all these characters are established and they have this perfect like upper and middle co- mid card, it's like the best television ever for two years. 
and then all of those people get pulled up to the main roster and you're like starting from scratch with a brand new foundation of like making us care about these people but they finally have hit the point where i care about all these people that that like fatal four-way that we had last week on nxt like strong contender for match of the year that thing was incredible he said that we saw last week uh like just, just in that just in the network show yeah or? yeah not in like the not in like the um last week was like the the all like year-end recap but then the week before that there was a fatal four-way for who goes up against cn almost and it was just a fucking good really f- fatal four-way but i i'm gonna throw this out there since it is near the end of the year I'm gonna have to go with like the Velveteen Dream match at, at War Games is like my match of the year. That I'll be match, honest, I love that match. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was fantastic. Like that was one of the best matches I've seen all year. I I would not be afraid to say Alistair Black versus Velveteen is the match of the year. Yeah, honestly, that would be a contender for me too. Like, it would be hard for me to really claim a match of the year at this point because there's just so much to go through, and I haven't really thought about it too much, I guess, but. Um, yeah, that would, that one would definitely be up there. Um, the DIY versus Authors of Pain match, the, that was, that was last year too, right? Yeah. That was also, yeah, that was, that was, I was going to mention that one is, I, I mean, any, like the whole, I don't watch, I am pretty much only watch the takeovers, which I actually should probably change because it's an extra i mean it's it an extra like, hour it sounds like <laughs> it's, it's, it's only an hour and there's a lot of uh it sounds like there's a lot of good stuff even just in the weekly offering from nxt which is pretty cool but the like i feel like almost nothing in any um either either main roster or nxt i almost feel like nothing has been excited as exciting as the tag division has been over the past six or eight months with diy and authors of pain and everything that's been going on like like with with them and with uh, sanity and everything like that, like all of these like insane ladder matches and everything that have been happening, like just so many moments where I'm watching them and like, like I have, you know, you're just holy shit, holy shit, holy shit over and over again because of every spot that's happening. Like it, it it's insane. I, I don't disagree. So here's a quick question for you guys as we're, um, you know, I, I feel like it's our first episode. We're still like getting our feet wet a little bit. So we should, we should probably keep it fairly short. And also, it's like four in the morning where Josh is. What is so, so, he's got to go do some Japan? Yeah, things. he's got to he's got to get some good Japan things. Turn in Japanese over there. Uh, so <laughs> we've got to make sure that uh, we mention that the next episode that we do. So this is going to come out late Sunday night, early Monday morning. We're going to try to put those out in a very similar time frame about Sunday Monday. So the next one that we're going to be dropping is going to be right before the Royal Rumble. Uh, so you're going to be hearing some Royal Rumble predictions. You're going to be hearing uh, some NXT TakeOver Philadelphia predictions. Uh, and maybe a little bit of a recap of what's happening on building onto that. But I want to throw this out to you guys because I'm in the middle of, for Geekscape, I'm going to do an article of all of the Royal Rumble matches ranked from worst to best over the last 30 years. Uh, oh, and I've geez. been watching every single Royal Rumble. I've watched the first 10 so far. <laughs> and I can tell you... It is very give or take. <laughs> like there's, there's like you have like the 1992 <laughs> Royal Rumble, which I have a hard time believing will not be in like my top three of all time at this rate. Is that the one where Ric Flair won it? Yes, like that yeah. one's great. But then you've got stuff like I think that the Royal Rumble '95 is one of the most boring and confusing fucking rumbles I've ever seen. <laughs> Derek, this match. First of all, it's like. You know how, like, sometimes you'll watch a Royal Rumble match and it's so clearly, like, this is the person who is 
going to win. Like, it is so clearly this is the Shawn Michaels show from the second it starts that, like, every person who enters the ring is, like, a... Like, it's like if Shawn... It was like if you did the Royal Rumble this year and it was AJ Styles and then Bo Dallas 29 times. Like, it was like... It's like, okay, I know who's going to win this. This could be Bo Dallas's year. Come on. <laughs> but... He's got that new. He's got that new look. He's part of the Miztourage. Dude, Miztourage is killing the Miz isn't there. <laughs> um, but the thing that really bums me out about like that particular pay per view is that they do the new people come into the ring every minute as opposed to every like ninety seconds or two minutes. Mm. So the entire rumble is thirty two minutes long. Like Jesus. it is. It's so quick. It's so like dull. Like it's just boring. It is a bad fucking pay per view. Uh, I don't know if you'll have an answer for this, Derek, but I need to ask Josh because I've got twenty more of these things to watch. What is the have I watched the worst one yet, or do I have like plenty more on my horizon? Uh, it's debatable because a lot of the. I mean, you still have the forty man rumble to watch, which wasn't a bad match, but I mean, that's such a long time. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm dreading the 40 man. I'm dreading watching uh 2015 again. Yeah. Cuz uh, that was a that was rough. I feel like like tw- the 2015 Royal Rumble was the second pay-per-view that I ever watched cuz when I started watching it was TLC in December that year. And I actually really enjoyed the Rumble at that point. And maybe it's just cuz it was like <laughs> like I haven't rewatched it since, so maybe I need to. But it was your boy Reigns. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Rome, my boy Reigns. He he got it, you know. He, I didn't think he was even going to be in the match, and then boom, number thirty, there he is. It was great, perfect, uh, perfect spot to come in. And he's all in. He got to see the Rock. <laughs> yeah, love the Rock. Oh, God. Uh, love those that Samoans. So uh, but like, but yeah, it was like, and maybe it was just because like I, I hadn't really seen anything since I was a kid, and so it was just super exciting. But yeah, and then it, like every time I see any comment about the 2015 one, I'm like, everyone shits on it. I was like, I, <laughs> I can imagine you're it's like you're one of your first pay per views, and you're like, oh, who's this guy? Must be the biggest heel I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's also one of the things I've learned is that Macho Man Randy Savage might be the worst person for knowing the rules of the Royal Rumble that has ever existed because <laughs> he eliminates himself from one of the rumbles. He like no he threw someone over the top rope, but he was like having a beef with that person. So then he climbed to the top rope and jumped on to them. Another one, he pins Yokozuna and Yokozuna just throws him over the top rope. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. They used to do that spot a lot in the old ones where you just have some wrestler who doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that's more on the wrestler or more on them like tweaking the rules every year and not telling anybody. Mm. <laughs> remember that year that uh, our truth pulled out a ladder? <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> I remember. I, I've seen that for some reason, but uh, so many good memories. I, I'm actually, I'm really excited for. I'm excited for the women's Royal Rumble match. I as think well. that that I, has a lot of potential to be fun. Yeah, I one is interesting. Like when they first announced, I was like, oh, it's going to be like a ten a ten woman Rumble or something like that because the, the there, rosters are so small. Are there only but like 15 to announce like or a, twenty women on the main roster as it is. Yeah, so there's something like that. Yeah, like it's a tiny, tiny. Yeah, amount. there's gonna be call ups. There's gonna be returns. I'm thinking we're gonna see like Trish Stratus or Lita make an appearance. Uh, there's got to be some yeah. surprises like I that. I think yeah. Nikki Cross debuts. I I think that we're gonna see a lot of sanity. I feel like we'll see the Bellas come back. I think um, so. Yeah, because even though 
like even with like if Bree's not fully ring ready, like obviously a Royal Rumble is very different from a from a traditional match. So I think we could see surprises like that. I mean, they've been and they've been such a big part of the women's division for like the last decade. It would be sad to see them not be included in something 100 like percent ronda wonder, rousey like 100 ronda rousey is going to be there. yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask that like do you because it's something where it's like i think that would be a great way to debut her but also it's something where that is a huge 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 debut and would they not want to build that up like 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 would they do something that huge just just in a i mean aj styles that's true as well. i feel like yeah. they would probably want to start her build by having her win it and then build it up to wrestlemania that's true. That See, would but weird. I don't think that she well, should win. That, like, I, I okay. think that there's only two options to win the women's Royal Rumble, and we'll get into this more. Well, we know Becky's not. We know Becky's yeah. not. Gonna well, win. I, I was going to say high. it's it's going to be a Raw person. I feel like I feel like it has to be someone on Raw for the women's, and it'll be someone from SmackDown mm-hmm. on the men's. Um, and I think that it's either going to be Oscar or Paige. I feel like those are the two most like logical yeah. choices. I actually would rather it be Paige. I'd rather it be this yep. like the final three is like Paige and her two lackeys, and then they just eliminate themselves for like their like supreme leader or whatever. But I also want a face off between Paige's group and uh, the Riot Squad. Like I want that to happen at some point mm-hmm. in the in the Rumble as well. So there's a lot of there's a lot of potential for like big moments. Do you guys have anything else that you've been watching that you want to bring up before we wrap up this week's episode? of double count out uh one thing that i've really i there's like two episodes out so far but the wwe network just released a show called uh oh it's the picture one right oh yeah yeah photo shoot or something like that that is i i literally had it in my head a second ago but it's like the format is really kind of neat it's got like one superstar and then they just show them kind of pictures of of pivotal moments in their careers uh, and they kind of talk about their memories from that moment. And so it started with The Miz. And so it's really interesting because you see like you see a lot of these terrible moments from when he was first first starting out, um, even leading him leading up to like him hosting like the diva search, which helped him meet Maurice, uh, his wife and, and everything like that. And then going to things like the Intercontinental title and stuff. But it's just cool. I, I really enjoyed it, seeing this perspective of like like just, you know, seeing a it, it's cool when the older guys do it, but seeing a current um, you know, a current wrestler that that again, as someone new hasn't like like fairly new to watching, I haven't seen their whole career culminate. Like getting to see them um, bring up these memories and these moments that that have been important to them over the time so far. I, it, there's like a there's an episode with the Miz. There's an episode with Cesaro as of right now, um, but it's pretty cool. It, it it and it looks like it's something that hopefully the network has a habit of canceling stuff really quickly. It doesn't look like an expensive show at all. <laughs> like it's one superstar sitting in a chair and there's a projector there. So hopefully, hopefully we can get a bunch more before they decide it's not worth it. But I want talking um, smack. It's pretty cool. It's pretty <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't even get me started. Smack and talk on t- only on tout. Oh, on tout. Say one episode. I like. I, I thought it was actually going to be on tout. So I like. I was like, I don't know what tout is, but I got to <laughs> oh, download no, it. You, but missed, then it was, you missed the dark ages of tout. Oh man, like. I think WWE had like a stake in it. Like, I, yeah, I think they owned a big portion of it. Or something. Every episode, it was like tout, tout, tout. They would just talk about tout all the time, and then they would try <laughs> to shoot angles. Like they would, you know how now they mostly do it on YouTube, where they'll have these really good promos that for some reason they don't put on TV. Like every right, once yeah, in a while, yeah. there'd be some really good promo on tout or something that key to the story. I think when Sheamus was feuding with Del Rio, he wrecked Del Rio's car on tout. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah <laughs> but yeah no tout it's fucking terrible but um 
and so yeah as far as mine the only thing i wanted to mention it kind of goes back to our new japan recommendations and match of the year last year that i was blanking on until a little while ago it's a bittersweet match but probably my favorite match of the year last year was um kazuchika okada versus katsuyori shibata which was my first time really seeing shibata in a main event and unfortunately it's probably going to be my last because it ended up being a bittersweet match because it was a really 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 good match the crowd was really behind shibata because he had been he's like a veteran who didn't get a whole lot of shots at the world title so he was here fighting for the main title and his whole gimmick essentially kind of similar to like Nakamura and stuff. His gimmick was that he was like a, like a strong style wrestler and he would lay in these really vicious headbutts. And there's this one incredible moment in the match where he headbutts Okada so hard. And then he looks up at towards the camera and this one trickle of blood starts coming down his forehead. Cause he busted himself open like legit. It wasn't a planned spot. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most hard hitting and brutal matches I had ever seen and I was going for Okada at the start of the match but I really wanted Shibata to win at the end of the match um of course he ended up losing but after that he ended up when he got backstage he ended up I think they said he had a seizure or something and they rushed him to the hospital and he ended up having like severe brain damage from all those well from years of wrestling but the headbutts in that match like set off a chain of events where his brain gave out and he I think they said more recently that they doctors are saying afterwards that he had a 20% chance of living and they, you know, he's, he's in like, he's recovered now in terms of him not being in immediate health, but he had to retire after that. He's, he's saying he's going to come back one day, but he could like last time they showed him on TV, he could barely walk under his own power. Mm. Like he's in really bad shape after that match. So, it's a good match to watch, but again, it's like bittersweet and it's hard to even... The aftermath kind of sours it. That's why I'm a little hesitant to call it match of the year, but if you just look at the match as a as a standalone thing, i definitely, definitely check that one out. Yeah, no, that sounds, that sounds pretty interesting. All right, well, we will be back in two weeks. We'll be talking all Royal Rumble, basically. It's going to be a very Royal Rumble-centric show. <laughs> I feel like you're going to be Royal Rumbled out by then. Probably, <laughs> most likely, but I'm trying to get trying to get to the point where i can get all this done in the next like week and a half so that i don't have to like watch a rumble for a week and a half before the next rumble <laughs> we're having to watch two and on the same show yeah i just watched uh, i just finished watching stone cold win his first ever royal rumble so now i'm gonna go watch stone cold win his second ever royal rumble <laughs> <laughs> but uh we will do a very royal rumble centric show and then we'll uh, see where this where this takes us from that but thank you for listening all right thank, thank you guys At Maximum Mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on a regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not (laughs) (laughs) And they also say things like, The the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you.